Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. So what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, I'm Brother Ali. Fight Diggy, Tribe Call Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles P the Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to The Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong, yeah. What's going on? Welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Martin Bauman. And today I've got a great guest lined up for you. The man I'm talking to today is a part of hip-hop's latest rising class with a shift towards staying independent and doing it all in-house. Producing, rapping, merchandise, he does it all. He's also managed to do it while crafting a 50s aesthetic ever since releasing his Endless Summer mixtape. After that came Must Be Nice, and now he's back again with an album due later this year. That's right, today I'm talking to g Easy. I caught up with g Easy on his These Things Happen tour. We talk about work ethic, the 10,000-hour theory, never getting comfortable, and lots more. Take a listen. Gee, I want to go back to the beginning just for a moment. Recording with Marty as a teenager. Yeah. Tell me about that time. I mean, I was just I was wanting to just like, you know, having this dream of, you know, of putting music out and playing shows and building a fan base. Um, it was all super homemade. It was all just like, you know, like what if we could do this ourselves? Like it was just an idea. Um, we... We got started in, like, ninth grade, um, and we would just, like, hang out every day. Um, and we, like, saved up our money and bought a mic and, you know, started, you know, trying to get serious about, like, writing songs. And I was making beats, and we would just, you know, head to my place after school every day and just, like, record and work on music. Now, one album that you've mentioned as a big influence on your life is Midnight Marauders, Tribe Called Quest. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, tell me about that album's influence on you. I mean, I I feel like that's almost like a perfect album. You know, it's just like that and Illmatic both capture, although different sides, but they both like capture a time and an energy and a culture. You know, when you think about New York in the early to mid-90s, you know, like those records I feel just like capture that culture really well. So like growing up in the Bay, I've always kind of had this infatuation for for, for New York and their culture. Um, so I was either listening to, like, 90s New York hip-hop or I was listening to, like, local Bay Area shit like Mac Dre and E-40. Uh, going in another musical direction, you grew up in the same household as your grandparents, also your aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. uh, who happened to be in a surf rock band, the New Easy Devils. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of an influence did they have on you musically growing up? Well, I mean, that was me watching a band firsthand, you know, like, do it. Like, they... They they pressed up CDs, they played shows, they rehearsed, they were legit in my eyes. I mean, it was like, you know, it was like, wow, you really can't go from a basement to a stage, you know, to like pressing up CDs to like building something. I mean, it was like inspiring to watch. Now, what other music would have been playing in the house as you were growing up? The Beatles, my mom played a whole lot of Beatles and Bob Dylan and Johnny Cash. And then and then I would take over the radio and, and, and play the local radio station. I can make a ton of that. Talking about your aunt and uncle's band, you know, uh, watching them do it firsthand and do it themselves, mm-hmm. you're part of an entirely new generation of musicians that more or less the, the mentality is do it yourself. Right. Uh, you're releasing music, a lot of it for free, 
There's a shift to staying independent. Right, right. How do you succeed in the current climate? It's crazy, man. I mean, it's like a whole new world that we live in with regards to how you create and release music. Um, I mean, the challenge, obviously, is cutting through the noise. Because um, with, with the barriers of entry being lowered, you know, it's it's so much easier to, to get in the game and just to make shit. Um, but I think it all comes down to the quality of the music and the strategy behind releasing it. You know, it's like, I think, I, I think the, the, the special couple stuff still finds a way to get paired with, you know, a good strategy, um, a good release strategy and, you know, good marketing behind it. Now, speaking of success in the music industry, uh, what can you tell me about the pyramid theory? Yeah. <laughs> What the hell? Are you working for the feds and shit? How do you know this shit? <laughs> what the, I was actually just thinking about that, like trying to find that. Where'd you find that? Because I wrote that when I was like in like, I don't know, like fucking 2008 or some shit. And I was like wanting to go back and reread that. Yeah, it was on the, some kind of a blog of yours that you used to keep up. Uh, I can't remember where I found that. Yeah, like on my old MySpace page or some shit. That's insane. Yeah, I was actually just thinking about that. That's wild. Um, I don't know. I, I broke it down like like I I, I felt. You know, if you think about rap and how, you know, it it has become so much easier to record music and release it, and you know, you think about like everybody in the world being a rapper these days, quote unquote. It's you know it's so much easier, but it still makes it you know it it it's still hard as ever to break through and to truly be successful in this industry and you know i mean it's it's kind of like you know sometimes it can be misleading and if you have 10,000 twitter followers and you get some downloads on a mixtape and some plays on a youtube video you feel like you're doing something you feel like you're getting somewhere um but it's just it the allure of this is just so like so crazy that when you actually think about it, there's very few who are making a living at, at the highest level and are going to be able to live comfortably for the rest of their lives. Like most people will have a run and make decent money for a while, you know, and, and, and it's kind of it's kind of eye-opening when you think about things like that. I don't know. I forget what, exactly what I wrote about. but <laughs> when, when you think about success, there's lots of definitions of, uh, you know, depending on who you ask, how they would define success. Right. What does the term mean to you? I mean, I just always wanted a platform. I, in the past, I would always just like, you know, I always dreamed of just having a following and a fan base, you know, a group of people just listening and paying attention to what I was making. Um, I think the reality kicked in is that you have to, you got to make a living so that you have enough time to keep creating, you know? Because if you're not making a living at this, then you're making a living working another job. And if you're working another job, you're spending all your time doing that. You can't put enough time into the music. And if you're not putting enough time into the music, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of it. So, you know, in my eyes, success is just being able to do what I love for a living, spend all my time doing it, and connect with fans and continue that for a long fucking time. Uh, going back to the pyramid theory and thinking about pyramids of success reminds me of the kobe system yeah and you had the chance to meet kobe Bryant not too long ago yeah tell me about that it was fucking crazy i um i i was waiting like outside of the locker room um uh with g roberson who's um 
who's a friend of Kobe's, and he was the one who's going to introduce me. And I was watching all these Laker players like walk out, and I just remember being like starstruck, you know, like seeing Pagasol, um, and and like not, I'm like wondering in my head, like, man, how am I going to be able to contain myself when I actually like meet Kobe, who's like, I mean, Kobe's Batman to me. He's like a superhero in my eyes. Like I've been a huge fan my entire life. Um, so when he finally walks out, this weird thing happened where I wasn't so much starstruck or at all. It was like, you know, I just looked at him and shook his hand and, and started talking. And it was as if I was talking to a peer and not like a superhero. And then I don't mean that in a sense like, you know, I mean, it's like, this is just another person who views the world in a similar way, you know, who has such a strong work ethic. And obviously he's accomplished you know, so, so, so much more than I could ever even hope to come close to accomplishing. But it was just like there's certain types of people in the world, you know. And and I don't know, there was something about him that just made me feel that it was like, you know, this is somebody like me who just who just works and just loves what he does and just, you know, goes in. I want to go back to one of your lines off of Must Be Nice. Mm-hmm. And on the song Hello, you mentioned how you're sort of happy you didn't blow up any faster uh-huh. and you appreciate it more when the money comes after. Yeah, yeah. How do you think you would have handled the success that you've had, uh, you know, five years ago? I mean, I would have stumbled it. I mean, I would have fumbled it. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you, when when you're not prepared for shit to happen, you know, it just it can all get out of whack and it can just all fuck up. Um, you know, I needed the preparation. I needed the time. I needed the, you know, to pay my dues and to work and to build and to practice and to learn and all that. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's how you, that's how you cope with everything when it finally happens is cause you're prepared for it. I mean, this game is all about, you know, it, it takes a little bit of luck, but really it's like when that luck presents itself, you got to be prepared for that opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're not prepared, you just fuck it all up. This, this theme, this, Constant reference to success. This is something that uh, continues in your songs, almost famous and sleepless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sleepless, you rap about how you're stressing about success. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell me about that line? I mean, basically, I put myself in this position where, you know, I haven't set myself up with a plan B. I don't have a safety net. I don't, you know, it's like all in. And I think you know, that anxiety will always kind of be there in the sense that, like, yeah, this could totally be cool right now. And it's amazing that we're selling out these shows and that, you know, like, we've got this moving and all this. But, you know, that anxiety is kind of always in the back of my head, like, well, fuck, like, you know, I hope this shit lasts because you know, I certainly haven't made enough to, like, live forever. And I, I kind of have this paranoia in the back of my head about, you know, like, fuck, like, what if this all falls apart? Like, am I just going to be a bum? Like, you know, so as long as that fear is always in me, I think that's kind of what drives me to keep working hard. So you think that having that fear as a constant motivator is crucial in a sense? Yeah, fuck, because if you get comfortable, then that's how you fall off. It's an interesting binary to think about. Yeah. You know, having having to always be looking over your shoulder, never quite satisfied. Right, right. I mean, that's just staying hungry, I think. Yeah, now, uh, let me ask you about the significance of the mantra, never get too comfortable in one spot. What does that mean to you? Well, that's exactly what we're talking about. I mean, it's basically just like, you know, if you if you push yourself to stay hungry, you're always working towards at least taking steps forward, 
you know, and if you're taking steps forward, then you're making progress. Um, and, I mean, I think even if you look at the greats, like Jay-Z is still pushing himself to push forward. You know, he's never comfortable. He's never just content. Um, Kobe's still pushing himself to, you know, the, the hunger for more, like to, to chase that sixth ring, you know. I think when people get comfortable is when they, when they, is when they fall off. So you're on this tour, the These Things Happen tour right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the project is in the works. Yep. What more can you tell me about the LP at this point? Uh, I'm just really excited. I've got E40 on the album. Um, that was a really big deal to me. Um, it's pretty much done. We're just mixing and mastering it and um, hoping to set a release date soon. So yeah, E40, you mentioned he's going to be on the album. Uh-huh. What kind of a role did he play for you in the Bay uh, to see someone like him on that level? I mean, he's as big as it gets, you know? I mean, he put on for the Bay, you know, like forever. You know, he's he's been doing this for so long, so consistently. You know, it's crazy and it's inspiring. You know, like growing up listening to KML, you know, E-40 was all you heard. Like, you know, E-40's been the man in the Bay. So that's just like a level of greatness to aspire to, you know? I was talking to Talib Kweli back in February and he was telling me how certain songs you write not because they'll sound good or make money mm-hmm. but because you need to write that song with a particular message oh absolutely uh with that in mind what has been the most important song for you to make and how come um i don't know that's a tough question i know that uh far alone was a really important song for me to make just to and it was also an important song to to uh to come out first um to be like the first kind of like uh, buzz single for my album or what have you um, because I wanted to make that statement of like you know the first story I need to tell is where I'm from um, you know is, is is the early sound that inspired me in the first place um, and that's the record that E40 has on moving in a different direction I know that you're a Malcolm Gladwell fan yeah what's your favorite theory of his uh, I mean the tipping point obviously um, you know and just studying that um What's the other one? Not blink. Um, but yeah, I mean, the tipping point is something that we've, you know, that we've like religiously like, you know, built in our our whole perspective on on working for this. And just like if you put in, if you put in your hours, then when that moment of luck hits and, and it starts to tip, you were prepared for it. You know. You know, that kind of reminds me. Uh, I don't know if this is something that you said or not, but with artists, the window for a career is potentially much shorter, mm-hmm. and so you have to put in so much more time while you can. It's it's more condensed. Yeah. How do you deal with that? I mean, you just gotta, you know, it's. I, I think it's like anything else. Like, if you want to play the trumpet, you gotta spend years, like, you know, studying your craft and, and, and learning your instrument. Same thing with this shit. You know, everything has its little nuances and little, you know, intricacies that, that matter. Um... But, uh, yeah, I mean, and then when that moment comes, it's just about striking while the iron's hot and just going in, you know? It's like, that's what you prepared for, like, like go hard. What goals have you set for yourself for the next couple of years? Um, I mean, you know, this tour has done really well, so obviously, like, the next tour, we'd love to do bigger rooms. I'd love to get to, like, Fox Theaters, um, you know, like, beautiful, beautiful, old, like, big theaters, um, that would be like a big benchmark for me to do like a Fox theater tour. Um, I think that's like 4,500 cap. Um, and then obviously after Fox theaters, you work towards amphitheaters and then, 
you know, the ultimate dream, the ultimate goal is arenas. A final question for you. What do you want your legacy to be? Uh, my legacy? Fuck, dude. I don't know. That's a crazy question. I don't know. I just want to make dope shit. I just want to make music that, that matters that, you know, people will remember for a long time. Well, there you have it. If you want to know more about G-Eazy, you can go to thecomeupshow.com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or follow on SoundCloud, however you choose to listen. Feel free to leave a comment or a rating, too. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Come Up Show. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.